Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Guardians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis, and I want to thank you for making Locked On Guardians your first listen, free and available, wherever it is you get podcasts, apps, streaming. We got you covered. So let's get some business out of the way right here at this top. And if you don't fast forward, because it's business more about, like, podcast success. So, uh, Locked On Guardians fans, I'm going to start calling you logs until someone tells me not to. Uh, well, you can figure it out. I know. Locked on Guardians listeners are intelligent. You'll figure out why I'm going to start calling you logs. <laughs> Silliness. Okay. So first off, we are now into three days a week. It is officially the off season this week. Uh, instead, it's going to be two. I'm taking off uh, Christmas Eve. So I apologize for that. Next week, we are going to go hot and heavy on the draft. I have my top 32. I'm going to sit down, discuss it, start kicking it out, throwing it out, whatever you want to use. Talking MLB draft. The Indians have, what, they're the first time ever they're picking where they're picking. I'm blanking on what it is, but I do remember they have never held that pick before in the history of the draft. And it's a relatively high pick for the past decade with this organization. So definitely a show to listen to. Definitely some interesting stuff. Next point. Uh, I have some reviews I need to read, and we'll get there. But, okay, so for a long time, we've been pushing this whole idea of, hey, let's break the top 100 baseball shows on, on uh, iTunes. Let's break the top 100. We got it. We did it two weeks in a row. Last week, because I didn't have power, there was no Friday show. I posted it Sunday, but that we only had four episodes. Oh, my goodness. Locked on listeners, teams, logs, you crushed it. You absolutely crushed it. Not only did we break the top 50, we are 47th, again, with only four shows. We had the 10th highest rated show by Chartable in the network, which was our other goal, to break that top 10. Now, we didn't get the, rec- uh, the recognition in the internal uh, tweet. I was like, oh, we didn't get listed because it was a year-end. They did the year-end uh, email to us last week, so it was the biggest year-end numbers, and we didn't make that. But if they'd just done the week, we would have finally broke the top 10, which would have been huge for us. But still, a 47th overall rating. Let's keep it going. It's not. It's going to be harder because, you know, instead of five a week, it's going to be three a week. But we only had four last week, and we are 47. So I feel like we can keep growing. You are doing a great job. Thank you so much, listeners. That was just, I opened the email, and, uh, you know, part of me wanted to cry. I was so happy. Thank you. Uh, we had three new reviews on the 16th. I wish I could read them all, but every time I click see all, uh, they don't appear. I will say it is interesting. I have 94 ratings. Again, we're very close. Let's get over 100. Uh, mostly one or mostly five stars. Then a very small amount four. Then one stars. Then two. Then the three. Not not as many uh, in general. But for whatever reason, it's just connecting forever. So I'm going to read the three right here. Matt Mania. Uh, great daily pod. Thank you, Matt. I'm not going to read all of it there. I'm just going to say thank you because, you know, I feel like reading it is a little self-serving because it's it's nice things about me. Uh, B Daddy, 1313, five stars, your show. Uh, thank you, Matt Milner, because he put his name in there. Uh, he uh, likes the draft stuff. So, hey, I hope you're listening next week. We are set up for that. And then uh, San Diego's own, uh, you know, uh, thank you. I'm trying to think if he is the one I, I, in my mind, San Diego's own, uh, I thought would be a Padres fan. But I think, you know, just someone who gets talks about how I like stats in the draft and it's in a highly enjoyable podcast. I would read more as I feel like there's another review I just can't get to. For some reason, because I don't have iTunes, can I be honest? I'm just hardwired to not be Apple. So I don't, I, I couldn't review myself if I wanted. But I, I did want to thank those three Matt Mania S, San Diego's own, and B Daddy 1313. Uh, and I'll say a name again, Matt Milner, thank you, 
for leaving reviews. That helps six more. Let's get us to 100. Keep downloading daily and listening. I know uh, for some, you're going to be sad that it, it drops to three days a week. It's also almost like a vacation for me when this happens. So just, you know, it'll allow me to come back fresh uh, in that regard. But we have things to talk about. Really, really things to talk about. Uh, so let's get into Richard Blitzer. <laughs> or Richard. I keep wanting to say Richard. David Blitzer. I don't know. Who's Richard Blitzer? I don't know why I want to keep calling him Richard. Uh, it is interesting uh, right now. So there's a lot of ways to look at this. Um, one of the things that stands out is the fact that if you go... So I pulled out an article through over on my uh, Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft from August 10th of this year by Gabriel Ola on uh, Yahoo that had the tw- the richest and poorest owners in professional sports. Po- poorest and not qu- not parentheses, but like a single parenth on each one. I hadn't quite seen that before. But the poorest owners and tied for 23rd poorest was David Blitzer with a net worth of $1 billion. Uh, so right now, what this tells us, you know, before we even get into the rest of this deal is his net worth is below the net worth of the Cleveland Indians, and it's below the net worth of the assigned Indians' value based on what uh, the Dolans wanted. They wanted 1.4. The last rating was at 1.2. Now, sports teams, have, you know, it's a great way to accumulate wealth because, I mean, let's see, what, the early 2000s, they bought the team for 300000 and they've near it's gained nearly a billion dollars in value in 20 years. That's not bad. I don't have any investments that gained me a billion dollars in 20 years. I don't have any investments that have gained me, you know, uh, $1,000 of bonus cash in in 20 years. I I wish I could say different, Um, but I I don't. I don't have any 20-year-old investments in general. Uh, But, yeah, it's it's good to own a pro sports team. Now, one could be a bit facetious here. One could be a bit over the top and say, you know, owners always talk about how all the money they lose, we should be worried because David Blitzer owns approximately half a billion sports teams. Now, that's an over-exaggeration, but we know sports ownership is a real strain on your wallet because that's all baseball owners tell us all the time. Blitzer is co-owner of the 76ers. He's a minority owner of the uh, Devils, and he owns three, maybe four soccer teams and the Wilkes Scranton AA affiliate uh, for the New York Yankees. The guy is uh, an investment person. He is also a professional owner at this point in time. He owns so many things. Him and his partner, um, Josh Harris. It's Harris. I can't remember because it's Harrison Blitzer, uh, sports entertainment, something rather. They own all those together, I believe. Uh, at least the 76ers and the Devils. I know they own uh, in a dual partnership. Harris's valuation, I saw, was closer to $5 billion. And Harrison Blitzer were in talks to buy the Mets before Cohen came in. So this was the group who did not get the Mets. Now, one member, as we know uh, right now, is coming in to buy the Indians. The bigger question, or not the bigger question, is while he's buying a minority ownership stake of 35%, not quite the 40% that we heard um, when the offseason began that the uh, Dolans would like to sell, but 35% is still a significant amount of the ownership stake. 30% of that would be John Sherman's escrow ownership. So he would be taking over that. That'd be coming out of escrow. Uh, he'd be buying that. And then an additional 5% of liqu- liquidity to the Dolans with a five or six year plan to uh, take over ownership of the team. You know, it's a kind of an accelerated plan, uh, it seems. 
but a five to six year window for them if you believe what is being reported by various sundry sources. We don't have anything official, so let's just say this is looking at the various and sundry sources. Uh, so we're going to take our first break here, come back in, discuss more about like what we know about him as an owner, uh, where his... You know, his finances are, are mostly from finance, so there's not a whole ton to dive into there. But what we see with him as an owner and the overall effect this could have um, in terms of your Indians team. And, you know, so let's just look at 2022. Let's just focus right on the immediate future. But let's first talk about candy cane brownie bites. I'm going to put an order in right now on the show. We discussed it. I like this already to begin with as a thing from Built Bar. I have so much Built Bar upstairs. But the thing about the candy cane is it's actually the lowest sugar. You get candy canes on top. It tastes like a brownie. They're delicious. But it's one of the healthiest for you. Milk and soy uh, are all that are included. It is one of the lowest sugar counts. And we don't often talk about this. High in fiber helps keep you regular. Uh, high protein, 8 grams in a bite. These are small servings. So it's 70 calories, 3 sugars. 8 grams of protein, 3 grams. You get as much fiber as you do sugar. They're delicious. They're fantastic. I really like the candy cane. You know if you listen to the show. I was disappointed. I didn't get to buy the bars. They sold out so quickly. Bites are here. They're not going to last long. If this sounds good to you, go jump today. And remember, you can still use the promo code LOCK15 right now. And if you go, you can get gingerbread and paranormal pumpkin. They both ha- are still available. So you can do their sale price and then that additional 15% off. I love Bilt Bar. I eat it daily. If you try it, I'm sure you will join me in my love and affection. BiltBar.com. Remember that promo code is LOCKED15. So before we get into more about David Blitzer, let's get the name right, uh, I do think one of the, the things here is he is the new minority owner. That that's, looks very likely to be the case. I think eventual path to full ownership involves him and his partner, uh, Harris, whose name I should pull up right now for Blitzer and Harris, but I think eventually they would both like they are combined in terms of it's Harris and Blitzer sports and entertainment is what they're called. And, uh, for that company, you know, they, uh, they, you know, Harris has more money. Yeah, it is Josh Harris. I was right. Okay. I should have, I should have trusted myself. He's the one who has a valuation of about 5 billion to the 1 billion. Uh, the soccer, big soccer team is crystal palace that they own, uh, though there's many others that they're also involved in. Uh, but yeah, so I would think that the Harrison Blitzer Sports and Entertainment would likely end up both aspects owning the Guardians. I think they would come together to end up owning the Guardians. That is what I would bet. I think right now it's just Blitzer, but I think eventually it would expand out because it just makes sense. Again, uh, if Blitzer is going to own the Guardians, his net worth is currently less than the Guardians are worth. And he does not have the liquidity to do that, right? Like he would have to sell all those ownership stakes and other things. That's not his his interest. I also like, though, I'll say this: he's already into esports. This is someone who sees where the ball is going. He knows what's smart and intelligent, and he's already diving into that market. That, that's what you want. This is a smart owner who sees the future. The other nice thing is he owns a lot of stuff. Uh, some Philadelphia 76ers fans are complaining in the comments on a Zach Meisel article that uh, that he's too hands-off. And I'm like, no, perfect. That's what we want. Hands-off ownership is great. Uh, let a smart person go. Let them see what they can do. 
they believe in data. They believe in analytics. You know, they're part of the group that brought in Daryl Moore. I should know this name, Daryl Morey, because, I mean, he went to Highland High School and my mom taught there back in the day. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they went out and got a well-respected, well-known analytics guy. They know uh, enough to get smart people in and stay out of the way. And the biggest concern, honestly, it's like, when you get down to it, for all the things that we can complain about the Dolan situation, and they're they're there. Uh, I mean, I was such a supporter. I mean, I wrote, I've talked about it on this podcast. I wrote an article that showed back when they had, I can't remember what their web, you know, when they had their own cable network before uh, Fox Sports Ohio, now Bally Sports bought it. Uh, I wrote an article that appeared on their, like the this cover page of their web page uh, about, you know, the uh we need to talk about your attendance you know it's it's I, I don't get a lot of these moments another weird one when i wrote at scout was i wrote like the best draft players available and all of a sudden it appeared on msn's homepage, and i don't know what i did to make that occur i mean it's, it's msn who knows what does that but it appeared on that homepage. of like i i, I favorited it I, I took a screenshot um of course you go back it's not like it's still there but it was interesting it was hot at the time you never know what things are going to appear uh, at the t- it was an article I wrote for Indians Prospect Insider, uh, and then they just used it, and no one asked me. It was the, you know the oddity of the internet, where sometimes I once had a St. Louis newspaper um, literally take my scouting report, publish it whole cloth in their paper, and never asked me. And it's nice, I guess, to get exposure, <laughs> but I mean, I- I'm not even saying like pay me, but at least ask me and throw me a few shekels, uh, throw me a hat, do something. Come on. If you're going to steal my content and post it in your paper, someone should be doing something, but enough about me for all of the issues there has been with the Dolan uh, front office. The nice thing after watching, you know, Gilbert and Haslam and all of their like zanius through the years is Dolan realized I got smart people. I'm staying out. Like he was hands off and it is a good thing to be hands off. He just let the right people have the job. And, you know, the Indians front office is constantly mined, right? We just saw Niebla go to completely revamp Padres pitching. We just saw Carter Hawkins go to the top position with the Cubs. You already have Derek Falvey, who's the top position with the Twins. Uh, this is a tree that just keeps growing. It is well-respected, well-thought-of. James Harris is going to leave in the next two to three years to take over another organization. It is a excellent front office. There is no doubt about that in my mind. This is maybe the top front office in sports. I don't know if any front office has as successful and just thick of a tree. And for as much as like I think John Hart is overrated, go ahead, get mad at me. I, I think he is. You know that whole team was inherited outside of the Lofton deal, uh, and the trades and drafting were were horrendous. Uh, he could could get a good deal on a free agent. He was good in free agency. You give him that, but his his. You know, and, and it doesn't help that his analysis on TV is some of the worst I've ever seen. Same with Dan O'Dowd. But you look at that era. I mean, Hart's Hart's biggest impact is just going to be that he hired guy like he brought in Shapiro and Shapiro. It just it came down. One could argue though, this is not John Hart's tree. This is Hank Peters' tree. And Hank Peters, again, best drafting GM in the history of this organization, had two of the greatest drafts in what four five years as GM. It's amazing how much he did in such a little window. Uh, he is the architect of the 90s success. That is Hank Peters. Boy, am I off topic. Coming back in. Hands off is what we want. If this is an owner who is hands off by reports, some 76ers fans think too hands off. Great. I think the fact that they own a ton of teams is fantastic. You can't meddle 
really deeply when you got a lot of teams. Sorry, I just hit the mic. I apologize. But you can't be up in everyone's business on every single team. You think about the most meddling owners in sports, the common theme is one one major, you know, one major sports team, right? One major sports team. That is not the case here. This is an uh, people who own a large stake in an NHL team, primary ownership group in an NBA team, primary ownership stake in, like I said, two to three, one being Crystal Palace, the big name, soccer team, probably have to sell their stake in the minor league affiliate since it belongs to another organization. But still, uh, they don't have the time to be up in anyone's business. They're too busy doing their other things, making money. This also, though, like I said, you know, the the laugh of it all is uh, for all the talk about negative assets, this just shows it's not true. I mean, more than anything else, it's, you know, owning a sports team is a license to print money. And even if you do lose a little bit of money here or there, we see overall it is the best place to park your funds. No one's giving you a better ROI, right? No, that's not what I want. Return on invest. Yeah, ROI than owning a sports franchise. At some point, uh, that's gonna. There's gonna be a crunch. It, it's just expanding at a rate that's unbelievable. Maybe there won't be, but I feel like with baseball in particular, where it is kind of a distant third, the crunch will happen, and we'll see values maybe go back even a little bit. But right now, uh, I think, well. I'll give you what I think in segment three. Come back in segment three. You'll get my final thoughts, takes. Am I happy? Am I not happy? And we will discuss what I think the 2020 season will possibly entail with this new ownership group. Bet Online. Uh, speaking of ways to make money, you know Bet Online. They've been our sponsor for nearly a year now. Uh, the promo code is locked on for them, and that gets you a 50% bonus on your first deposit. Let's. What's going on right now over at Bet Online? What is big and occurring? Should we go look at what live betting choices you'd have? Remember, it's not all live betting, though. There's Vegas, there's casino games, there's poker. If you can think about it, you can bet about it over at Bet Online. Uh, you know, they got stuff up right now about San Diego State versus UTSA for college football. We got a bowl game, though most of it's locked because the game's going on. But you can still bet on the third and fourth period as I'm recording. Uh, total takeaways and regulation. How about tennis? You want to bet tennis? How about Mexican baseball? That's right. You can go bet on the Naranjos versus the Yaquis. Yeah, over-unders, th- uh, three-way in the fourth. Will the game go to extras? Money line on Mexican baseball. That's right. That's how deep they go at Bet Online. And whatever it is you want to find, you can find your action there. Go to Bet Online today. And remember to use that promo code LOCKED ON to get your 5050% bonus. Bet Online. Check it out for yourself. So how do I feel about this ownership group? After all the talk and everything else, I feel good. I honestly feel good. I don't know much about this guy. He has a low profile. When I went digging, there's not a whole ton. I mean, about the most salacious thing I found was that his uh, his father-in-law once owned the Smurfs license and then went to jail for like uh, essentially trying to coerce a bribe from... Uh, you can go read it in his... Blitzer did nothing wrong. Let's put it that way. He is totally, the most salacious thing was him looking out for his family uh, as his father-in-law looks like he might have been a, or might be not not a great dude. But Blitzer has nothing. He, he's not out there trying to uh, to make a name for himself. He, you know, he got his money through investments and then he's been doing, you know, sports ownership and he's, he was addicted to owning more teams. 
But again, I like the fact that he's involved in a lot of teams because that means uh, he, he doesn't have that energy to get in the way, which is, you know, the most, my biggest concern. My biggest concern with any new owner is getting someone who's going to muddle and meddle and not trust the smart people already there. Like, you know, Chris Antonetti would be, not Antonetti, Chernoff uh, would be the GM of the Mets right now if it wasn't Cohen there. If he was 100% sure that they weren't going to have, uh, you know, an annoying, messy situation, he would be the GM of the Mets. But instead, Cleveland has had this nice stability where they keep smart people because at the end of the day, uh, they know it is a situation where they get to make all the final calls. They have a two GMs right now, essentially. I know it's like president, vice president, and then GM. They keep making new roles to promote people to. But you know, at the end of the day, it's essentially the guy at top who's making all the calls. They have two people that should both be running. You know, they they the top of their line, the top of their command chain, should all be running organizations and would be. But they like it here. They like the stability. They like the hands-off ownership. They like being able to call all their own shots. So keeping that in place is essential to me. And I feel like this is an ownership group that's going to do that. I do like that they're forward-thinking, that they're looking to the future, and they're looking you know, at ways to expand their portfolio intelligently. Uh, the Indians became very interesting once that lease was signed. Apparently that lease was a big part of this. Because it means that things will be improved. There's other ways they can go about um, getting things in order. But it means the stadium's going to get improved. Everything's set up for this team to stay here and be profitable. And it meant there's less headaches for whoever comes in. So spending. That's what you're here for. You want to know spending. When John Sherman came in, is when the Indians signed Edwin Encarnacion to the richest contract in Indians history. Uh, that is still the richest contract in Indians history. Can't help but laugh. I don't think this immediately means that they're going to come in and start throwing haymakers, you know, start chasing Correa and that. No, no. I think, again, as of now, it's still mostly the Dolans in charge. This does mean there should be an inflow of cash, but at the same time, while they've been cutting money, it feels like the cutting of salary was more of another way to, uh, to be more of a sellable asset. It, you know, it is a bonus. It's not a huge one, but I think it does hey, we got a low payroll. If you come in, you're not stuck with anything. What they might get is I think they'll get some degree. The reason I he and ha here is it's not like Sherman's piece uh, was really holding him back. It's been an escrow. It's sitting there. Uh, I don't know exactly how it works. Someone who's more intelligent than me hit me up on Twitter, Jeff MLB Draft. Explain to me, like, was he paying? Were, like, slowly, was there something going on where the Dolans had to pay something or do something? But it strikes me now, I mean, if you're the owner, it's probably, it's stress off you. Like for the Dolans, it's stress off. Like, okay, that one, that share of the team is out of escrow. We have someone else who can help contribute funds. When a situation occurs where we want to get a free agent and maybe there's a little bit more money, a little bit more willingness there. Uh, there's that 5% more liquidity for Dolan. Now, the, the other side of this argument is, again, the majority owner is someone who is more interested in getting out at highest possible value. Is that winning? I, I don't know if winning winning doesn't shoot you up the uh, the value list. Like where you are, move slowly and incrementally. If you have an owner who's more focused on the finances of it all, maybe there's not a big increase coming. Now, at the same time, you would think minority ownership is coming in. They want to uh, get out there and spend money. I, I should probably have spent some time looking at the 76ers and their luxury, cat, luxury tax situation in the 
NBA, I feel like they have paid it uh, and they've been willing to pay it. So that's, you know, that could be a positive sign. I, we all agree payroll is going up. With the new minority ownership, I still do not think payroll hits $100 million. I do not think it gets to that point. I do not think we are quite there yet. But maybe this gets us closer to an 80. Uh, maybe this makes Jose Ramirez resignable. Uh, again, I everyone's going to be happy when that happens. Now, there is absolutely no way the Jose Ramirez contract does not become an anchor by the end of it. That's just the way of those contracts. Sign anyone into their mid to late 30s. Uh, almost, you know, there's not a lot of Max Scherzers. Let's put it that way. Almost everyone else is a Joey Votto. That, that's just how that's going to end up working. But at the same time, we'll all be happy if it happens. Maybe a Shane Bieber deal gets worked out. Like that should really be high on the list. Bieber, Fran Mill, those are guys you want to lock up now if possible. Uh, I just feel like a fully healthy Fran Mill, if that could ever happen, is going to hit 40 home runs one of these days. And then maybe there is something around the edges. You know, Seiya Suzuki's name keeps popping up for a lot of teams. We talked about Seattle with if they had some interest, maybe they would trade some pieces. We talked about uh, a few other teams. Even if it's not someone like Seiya Suzuki, let's say they do have a little bit of extra money. Let's pull up that MLB trade rumors. And, you know, name the kind of pops as you're going down the list about, like, who who could work. You look at those top names. Like, if they do have a little bit extra money to, to spend around, the last time they went for the big DH, and you go through the list, and the first name I looked at was Nick Castellanos. You know, he does turn 30, and he does have the qualifying offer, so that costs you a draft pick. You keep going down, and then you, you come to Kyle Schwarber. Schwarber is interesting for a multitude of reasons. Uh, one, he's 28 years of age. Two, he's an Ohio kid. Uh, went to high school kind of between Cincinnati and Dayton and Middletown. Uh, he is a DH all the way. Uh, it would be interesting in terms of defense between him and Fran Mill uh, and what you're doing uh, at that position, but he should be a DH or a first baseman. Uh, he's not a good first baseman defensively either, but it's first base. How much can that really set you back? When you're looking, though, at what Kyle Schwarber has done in the big leagues, dude hits. Like I had some negative thoughts on him in the past, and he was not great in 2020, but a lot of players weren't. You almost have to throw that year out outside of 2020 uh, Kyle Schwarber's runs created plus a one uh so you have a 103 a 115 a 119 the 89 a 145 this year over on a savant page uh, he does strike out a lot he also walks a lot average eggs velocity 90th expected on base 95th expected slugging 94th expected batting average 69th barrel 96 hard hit 93 chase rate 89 so while he does whiff a lot his chase rate is uh is not bad now so it's above average first percentile he was the worst defender in the system again if you sign him you're like kyle you are have bat will travel i would like you to play dh uh full time but you know would there be some interest in coming home he was a a left fielder a dh and a first baseman this past year dh first base would be the only thing and again this is a player who I mean, his defensive value was negative 10. Uh, he still was worth, by fan graphs, I mean, that is a huge negative value. He was still worth uh, 3.1 war in spite of a 145 runs created plus is just obscene. And all of baseball last year, who who had a higher one than that, you might wonder? Ready, here's your list. You might be surprised tied at 145 was Tyler O'Neill, Brian Reynolds, slightly below. Then you have Matt Olson, Kyle Tucker, Aaron Judge, 
Otani, Tatis, Soto, Guerrero, Harper. That's it. That's your list. That's how good Schwarber was. Another DH. Give big money. Get a DH. Can hit. Difference is age. 28 years of age. Uh, will turn 29 in March. But if you could maybe get him on a four-year contract, would he have interest in coming back to the Midwest? I know there is some uh, World Series fatigue after Joe Buck's love, which also affected my <laughs> feelings on him, if I'm being honest. But you have to ignore that. You have to just look at, like, this guy is legitimately, as a hitter, one of the best hitters in baseball. And if there's an extra cash infusion, go get Schwarber. Like, that's that would be the idea deal situation i don't know what his cost would be i really have no idea honestly right now when you look at who's left just as a pure hitter he's the best hitter in free agency the best hitter now baseball is a complete game you have defense and other components that are important he is not the best player but he is the best hitter available and you know maybe that's where they can go maybe the the ohio kid would want to come back now he's more of a reds area fan he did go to Indiana instead of Ohio State or any of the Ohio programs. But still, I think he would be the interesting one to target. And I all of a sudden think maybe it's possible. I do think there'll be more money. I don't think it's going to be a huge amount now. But I think in the future we'll see more. Blitzer, my initial feel, very positive. Uh, we'll have to have more, and we will eventually have more on the Lockdown Guardians podcast. I've been Jeff Ellis. Thank you for listening. Remember to rate and review. Download daily. That's even easier now that we're in the offseason. And even more important now that we're in the offseason. Nope, keep those numbers up, going, and flying. Next week, I'll draft all the time. You're going to want to tune in for that. And as we now end every show, go, go, Guardians, go.